Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to the Cooping and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have Michelle Leslie. Michelle, welcome to the Cooping and Grace podcast. Hi, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's so great to be able to chat with you. I've seen you seen you around on social media, and uh, so that's that's a good thing, by the way. You know, sometimes when you say I saw you around social media, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing, but. I always see you, <laughs> see you trying to see trying trying to you know help people, and so I, I appreciate that. Well, uh, guys, today we're going to talk about the dangers of women pastors uh, on the church, and and Michelle writes and she speaks about uh, this subject quite a bit. Can you just tell us a bit about yourself? You know, your life, marriage, ministry, and and what uh, ministry projects do you work on? Are you working on? Sure, that would be great. Uh, I am married to my wonderful husband, Scott, and we on December the 29th of this year, 2021, we will have been married 29 years. So we're looking forward to that uh, anniversary. And then we have six children. They're all grown. Our youngest is 18. So they're not really children anymore. We have six young adults and uh, a wonderful son-in-law and a wonderful daughter-in-law. And uh, love all of them all to pieces. Five five boys, one girl. So I'm kind of, I've always been a boy mom mostly. And uh, beyond my family, which has always kept me busy, uh, I've just been a church lady. You know, probably like most of the the women who listen to you, just keeping busy at church and being faithful to that. For the past about 13 years, I have been blogging and. Uh, it's a women's discipleship blog. We do Bible study and uh, topics related to discipleship and church and things like that. And then for a little over two years, I have co-hosted a podcast with my friend Amy Spreeman, and it's called A Word Fitly Spoken. And then finally, um, you talk about projects. I don't, I don't know if these are projects or not, but uh, I speak at women's conferences all over the United States, and that keeps me really busy. And that's a lot of fun. I get to go lots of interesting, beautiful places in our country and uh, meet meet my extended family members, you know, from, from churches all over the country and uh, get to share with them and, and meet them and fellowship with them. And so that's really a lot of fun. So that's basically what keeps me busy during the day. Yeah, that definitely will keep you busy. Um, that's wonderful. Wonderful. Well, like I said, guys, we're going to talk about the danger of women pastors on the church. And uh, to start off with biblically, let's go to that famous passage, 1 Timothy 2.12. Uh, can you can you help us understand uh, how this how does First Timothy two twelve help us understand the issue of women pastors? Well, really, uh, I, I, let me go ahead and start by reading it first. I'm going to read verse eleven and verse twelve to kind of get the whole thought in there. So First Timothy two eleven through. 12. 12 says this, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And really the way that these 
these two verses in particular help us to understand the issue of women's path, women pastors, is that this is the most concise instruction on this that we have in scripture. Um, but really, if we zoom out a little bit, we can see that 1 Timothy 2.11 through about 3.7 deals with the issue more comprehensively. And then if we zoom out even farther, we can see that all of scripture uh, deals with this with this issue and, and instructs us that this is not the role for women. So, uh, but looking more at 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 3, 7, uh, it's really interesting because as I'm sure you and, and your listeners know, when the Bible was written, it did not have chapter and verse markings. So if you're if you're reading this epistle, and this is a pastoral epistle, it's, it's an epistle from uh, Paul to Timothy, basically instructing him how to run the church. I always like to, to refer to it as a policy and procedure manual for the church. Um, you know, just telling him how to run things and, and to really telling us as church members how we are to fit into the church and how we are to behave in the household of God. So um, if you start in chapter two with verse 11, uh, it really, it talks about uh, how women are not qualified for the office of pastor or to be preaching. And then it moves, it just flows right into chapter three and tells us the qualifications for who is qualified to be a pastor. And that would be men who meet certain qualifications because we know not all men are qualified to be pastors either. Mm -hmm. So um, so that's really the way that, that it helps address, that particular passage helps address this issue because it's very concise, it's very clear. Um, and if your listeners would like to explore that passage a little bit more. I've written an article about that particular passage as it applies to women preaching and pastoring, and it's called Jill in the Pulpit, and it's on my blog, and we'll talk about how to get to my blog later, I think. Yeah, yeah, you can tell us a little bit about that. <clears throat> well, it just explores this particular passage and and talks about how we need to apply it in the church, and um, I, I think it, just, it helps answer some questions that women may have about women preaching. So. Yeah, that that's a good explanation. How um, how I think about it is, it's not a lot of women um, think. Well, God's telling me no. You know, the, the feminist agenda. God's telling me no, but actually, it's not even a, it's not even a necessarily a hard. It's not even about no. It's about our assigned gender, which is actually right. a matter of. It's actually a matter of of stewardship and framing it that way. I found is is actually more helpful for people to understand. Okay, this is how God created me. Not God saying no. This is how I'm how I'm created, and I'm, and I'm not created um, in this way and for this purpose. I'm created for for something else, you know. And, exactly. And it's like it's like you just said. Not every man even is going to be, even though he's called to that office and to lead in the home. He's he's not uh, he's not necessarily going to be a pastor, or or maybe right. he even even like in my case, I've been I've been called and affirmed to be a pastor, but I don't I don't have a path. I, I've never been ordained. Uh, I've never been a pastor. So, I mean, there's guys like me too, you know, so. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I mean, and that's, like I, 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, and one of the things that I always bring out to women is that God has graciously taken the responsibility for pastoring and preaching and running the church off of our shoulders so that we can focus on the things that he has called us to do, especially as women. And uh, we just, we just have too much to do as women to also have to do men's job of, of running the church and, uh, and pastoring. So God has graciously taken that off our plate because we're busy. You know, we have a lot of things to do. <laughs> yes. Yes. <clears throat> Good answer. Good answer. What What is so dangerous about a woman becoming a pastor? Well, it's, it's spiritually dangerous. We want to make sure that we're, I guess it could be physically dangerous. I mean, if you look at Ananias and Sapphira, God was not happy with what they were doing in the church and it was physically dangerous to them. But generally these days, uh, it's mostly dangerous on the spiritual side. Uh, what's so dangerous about it one of the things that is dangerous about it is that we don't see on the physical level or on the temporal level that it's dangerous. There, there, there doesn't appear to be any uh, immediate sort of punishment for that or, or consequences for that. Uh, you know, we, and there's even actually rewards for it. If you think about it, there are a lot of women quote unquote pastors who are very famous and very wealthy and they seem to be rewarded for that. You can so name names. that's, <laughs> well, uh, Beth Moore comes to mind and Joyce Meyer comes to mind and lots of, there are too many to name, unfortunately. That's true. That's true. Um, but, uh, but there are a lot of women like that. And so that's one danger is, is that we see this being rewarded in earthly terms uh, when, when these women are doing these things. But really, it's, it's more spiritually dangerous. That's, that's the much more serious side of this, because it undermines the authority of Scripture. It questions the truth of Scripture, and it teaches women and men and the church at large to rebel against God. And those are some very, very serious things. Um, when, a, when a woman stands up to preach or to pastor, what she's saying by her behavior is, I don't care what God says, I'll do what I want. Or if you disagree with any part of God's word, you don't have to obey it. You can just reject it. You know, it kind of, it's, it's a lot like what happened back in Genesis three with, with Eve and the serpent, you know, the, the serpent saying, did God really say, you know, and in this case it would be, did God really say you can't preach, you know? And then we think about judges. I'm, I'm writing a Bible study through judges right now. And the theme of judges is everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And we see many of the horrible things that happen in judges as a result of that. So it it may not appear to be dangerous on the surface or in temporal terms. We see it, you know, being rewarded. We see it, a lot of people interpret that as God blessing it, which is absolutely not true. But uh, even though we see this on the on the surface with our eyes, what's going on underneath on the spiritual level is just it's awful. It's just very dangerous, like you said, and it's it's really it's really eating away at the visible church at large. Yeah, that's a really good answer. <clears throat> and I appreciate the fact that you said that it attacks the authority of scripture because I mean that's, that's really right. the issue because you look at pr Protestant, you look at the liberal denominations, where do they start? It's really kind of like mm -hmm. a gateway to going in and now you have the PCUSA denying uh, even even the song in Christ Alone, the wrath part of that song by the Gettys. 
Right. Um, and, and, and it's just a kind of a, I guess we could call that a gateway drug fascination. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned that because that's a point that I often make is that if you will look at these liberal churches now who are accepting homosexuality and, you know, they just don't even teach the Bible anymore. If you trace it back, if you backtrack far enough, the first step on that road was allowing women to teach men. And it just snowballs from there. And a lot of people will say, you know, well, women teaching men, it's not a soteriological issue. It's not about salvation. So it's not a big deal. We can agree to disagree on that. But that's not the case. First of all, it's God's word. And, you know, when you when God's word says, don't do this and you do it anyway because you want to, that's sin. And that's a big issue. That's not something we can agree to disagree on. But the second thing is, is that you start off with this non-soteriological issue of women preaching. And then it, like I said, it snowballs and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And until, you know, you get to the end point and you've got these liberal churches telling homosexuals that they can stay in their sin and still be Christians. And that is a soteriological issue. So it's just like Jesus said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump, cleanse out the old leaven. And that's what we need to do is we need to get that leaven out of the church right when it starts, just like with cancer. You don't wait until it's stage four to do something about it when it's almost killed you. You, you know, early detection, early cure, you know, like, like they say, you attack, you address it at the beginning and get rid of it before it kills you. So, yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, <laughs> then you have gay now plus Christian. It's like, wait, then right. no plus, no plus to that. <clears throat> one is, you know, uh, it's, it's just Jesus and the Bible. Thank you very much. And that's enough for me. Um, yeah, it's, 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 man, it's so, it's so concerning because, you know, not only do we have that, but then we have the way women are taught, you know, as you know, well, probably better than I do. <coughs> and it's, um, it's just really concerning, um, you know, for Beth Moore on to everything. It's just, I mean, the slide, that's what theological liberalism does. It places my feelings above the Bible, as you know, well, and as our listeners know, well, and I actually have a book forthcoming on this to to kind of help people, lay people, average person, not just on this issue, but on other topics as well. And it, it's it's such an issue right now that you know people think, like you said, it's it 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 it, it isn't a it isn't a salvation issue, as in you don't get saved by whether you're a woman pastor or or not. But at the same time, it's a it affects how the church is governed, and that matters to God because what did Jesus do? He Ephesians five tells us that he bled and he died for the church, and so it matters to Jesus how the church is run, and not to mention Jesus had, you know, twelve apostles, and they none of them were women, um, and it was we're going to talk about here in just a minute about women. You know, it, it's significant to say that, and even the even the men in the Old Testament, there was never a woman in a position of leadership. People use Deborah, for example, as you know. Uh, she was not a she was not a uh, essentially a religious primarily a religious figure a religious leader. Uh, Priscilla was not primarily a she may have been a deacon or a deaconess or I mean excuse me a deaconess or not depending on how you take that passage you know. Uh, but but that doesn't mean even if she was that she was an elder. There's a difference. Uh, so we have to we have to talk about you know the church the how the church gathers in and in, in its structure. 
we we often minimize that and and that's why people think oh well this issue doesn't matter it doesn't affect people but actually how the church functions and how the church operates it really does matter because like the, the, there's a difference there's differences like between baptists and presbyterians for a reason you know we we differ on baptism uh in our view of baptism and and those are okay to have conversation about but uh it's fundamentally different than having letting a woman go up there and and preach a sermon yeah that's right i mean it's yeah <laughs> you're absolutely right you've covered that very well thank you well what let's uh let's talk about this what role do women have in the local church well if we stick to scripture which we want to do and we look at what that passage in first timothy says we need to understand that our role does not include being on staff as a pastor in any form, uh, not an associate pastor, not a youth pastor, you know, not a head pastor as some churches have uh, those differentiations. We are not to preach the sermon, the Sunday sermon, any sermon uh, in a in a context that includes men. We're not to be teaching men like in Sunday school, adult Sunday school classes or co-ed Sunday school classes. We're not to exercise unbiblical authority over men. Um, but just about everything else is open to godly women. We are to serve the church. And I've, I've got several articles on my blog about uh, ways, you know, just giving some ideas of ways that women can serve the church. Like we need women to be praying for the church and praying for uh, the pastor and all the various people in the church. We need women to be doing things like visiting the sick and, and those that are in nursing homes and things like that. There are technical things that women can do, like helping out in the sound booth or uh, mowing the grass, you know, at the church and things like that. Uh, there's really a need for for discerning Christians, whether it's a woman or a man, to vet any materials that the church is considering using for Bible study or whatever. So there are just a variety of ways that women can serve the church. And then especially women can teach and disciple women and children in the church. We, know, we all know Titus 2, 3 through 5 talks about that, that the older women are to teach the younger women. And um, there's, a, there's a great need in the church. You know, we talk in the church a lot about mentoring uh, other Christians, but really we need spiritual mothers, what I call spiritual mothers in the church. That just, it really takes it to a whole new level, you know, from mentor to mother, you know, spiritual mother is someone who's going to be there on call at three o'clock in the morning when you're having whatever issue it is you're having, and you can call her and cry on the phone with her and she can help you and comfort you and, you know, talk you back down off the edge. <laughs> and um, so we need that. We need women to that are doctrinally sound and spiritually mature to set a good godly example in the church. That's something all Christian women can do. So there are lots and lots of roles that women have in the church. I mean, the church without women, the church would not be healthy. And so we need women in there. We need men in there too, serving and doing what we're supposed to do according to scripture. And like I said earlier, there are so many things that that God has ordained for women to do 
or that women are specially equipped by God to do just in the way he's wired us that, you know, if we, if we will stay busy doing the things that he has called us to do, we're not going to have time to do the things that he has called men in particular to do. So women do have a very extremely important role in the church. Yeah. Yeah. One (laughs) of the, that's a really good answer. I guess the only thing I would add to that is, you know, some people say, and I've heard this over and over again, I'm sure you have too. Well, you know, Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't really care about women or, or something to that effect. And it's like, wait a minute, we have to talk about this. Women had zero rights in that culture. Zero. As in, as in women have rights today, you know, they can work and those kind of things, but it was totally opposite. They couldn't go get an education and, and Jesus gave them, taught them, you know, that was, that was uncommon in Judaism. And he came alongside and he allowed them to be taught. Um, so, And actually the church elevated the role of women, uh, you know, so, I mean, people who say that is like, wait a minute, what are you talking yeah. about here? Yeah. What are you I talking mean, about? Like, yeah, exactly. Even in the passage that we were reading earlier in First Timothy 2, which is why I wanted to back up and read verse 11, that very first word in First Timothy 2, 11 says, let a woman learn. That's an instruction to pastors that they are to let and make sure that women learn the scriptures and that they learn sound doctrine and that they are included in biblical teaching in the church. So that was enormous for women back then. So I think we just, we're, these days, we just really don't realize how big of a thing that was back then. And and the so-called rights and privileges that we have today, a lot of times uh, with feminism and things like that are just, those are not good for us. Uh, and so we need to, you know, we need to be sure that we're examining what scripture says about women and believing it. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. <clears throat> well, this is a question that is probably, probably one of the biggest that comes against whenever you talk, start talking about women pastors or anything <clears throat> like that, or, or gender roles or anything, um, you, you quickly encounter this issue. And the question is how, how should we who hold to the complementarian view respond to the accusation that we are degrading women by not encouraging them to be pastors and supporting abuse by our view of gender roles? Well, it's like I just said, we've got to be sure we understand what scripture says and um, and stick to that and believe that. And there are always going to be people calling us names and casting inappropriate stones and things like that. I've certainly experienced that myself, um, but it is not abusive to believe and obey what scripture says, because God is the author of scripture and God created women. God loves women and God would never say anything or or tell us to do anything that was abusive toward women. I mean, look at the Old Testament, how he uh, he talks about how people treat their animals. You know, he is certainly not going to allow uh, allow the church or allow men or whatever to be abusive toward women. So if we're following scripture, we can be certain we're not being abusive toward women because God is not an abuser of women. Um, there, a lot of these people who are accusing of things like this are not biblical. I, I would venture to guess that some of them, I'm not saying all of them, <laughs> some of them are not saved. 
uh, just because of the fruit that they exhibit. And I'm not talking about any person in particular, because <laughs> I'm sure some of them will come after me and make false accusations against me because of what I'm saying. But um, so that that is the way we respond to that. We we follow scripture. We make sure we are doing what is right in God's eyes and we let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. I just I just think it's <laughs> sad that that we hear this every time. Well, you believe in a difference between a man and a woman, and so that they function in a different way, to function in a different way. So you're you're degrading a woman and treating her as less than. It's actually the opposite. You're the that's one. Right. It's it's ironic actually that they would say that because it's actually them that's degrading a woman, and even a man for that matter by denying the dignity and value and worth that they claim to uphold, uh, mm-hmm. in in you know their their particular view. Now, right you know, abuse of any kind, we would say, I think we both would agree, abuse of any kind, whether it's by a man against his wife or a woman against her husband with her mouth or with her fists or anything, that is absolutely sinful. It's, it's, there's nothing. Absolutely. There's nothing, there's nothing right. And people say, well, this view supports that. And you know, what's funny is uh, I, I have read John Piper and Wade Grudem extensively they never have suggested that that was okay in any way. You know, they have other issues, of course, but on this particular subject, they've been pretty clear. They, they're the ones that, you know, helped develop this position, although it's the church has taught it, they just drew it out. And, and those are, those kind of things are just totally not true. And anybody who thinks that they need to go back to the Bible and, and see how God, right. God thinks about us. Uh, there's nothing in the Bible that that tells us that abuse is okay. Um, so I, I always just want to say that because people people really think that that we hold to that and that it's okay. Uh, no, abuse is never okay. Whether it's whether it's let's be clear, let me just spell it out: <laughs> physical, mental, emotional, sexual, any kind of abuse. That's right. And I would include spiritual abuse in that, because if you are encouraging women to disobey God's word, you are being spiritually abusive to them. If you're if you are okaying or encouraging women to preach or to exercise authority over men in the church or whatever, you're being spiritually abusive to them because you're encouraging them to sin and you are crippling their spiritual lives. And I don't know what you would call that besides abuse. So I would throw that one in there too. Yep. That's, that's, that's a good good point. How can older women come alongside a younger woman? Well, there are lots of different ways and there are lots of, uh, there's some difficulties with this too, but um, first of all, older women, you know, be available, befriend younger women as, as much as you can. I know that's kind of different between, uh, kind of difficult sometimes between the, the age groups, but one way to do that is to be involved in church activities. You know, a lot of older women and older men too, they, they get to the age where they're retiring from their jobs and they sort of retire from church activities too, or they're only associating with the senior citizens group or or things like that. So I would just say be involved in the general church activities that include all ages. That's that's one way to do that. And then do your best to make friendships with with younger women. Um, So that's a general way that 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 can be done. Sometimes the one-on-one kind of thing, you know, coming alongside a younger woman one-on-one can be a little bit, a little bit more difficult because 
younger women are sometimes afraid to ask older women for help because they're afraid to impose on them or they don't want to be a bother or, or whatever. And then by the same token, older women can be afraid to approach younger women and say, would you like for me to disciple you or whatever, because they're afraid the younger woman doesn't want help or, or that the, you know, I'll, you know, if I approach a younger woman, I'll be seen as pushy or I'll be seen as nosy or, or getting, you know, putting my nose in her business or that I'll be implying that she's not a good wife or a good mother and that she really needs some help, you know? <laughs> and of course we all need help. But I, I think even when I was a younger woman, if an older woman had approached me and, and said, you know, I, I want to teach, I want to be a Titus two older woman to you. I would have felt like, what am I doing? What am I putting out there at church that this person thinks I need help? You know, so we want to, we're, we're always trying to be careful not to hurt other people's feelings and that's commendable and things like that. But it's almost, you know, it's almost like asking somebody for a date, you know, when you were single, remember how awkward that was. It can be like that. And uh, so, so there, there are things to consider when, uh, approaching somebody one-on-one, but the church can really help foster this by finding ways just in general to integrate the generations. For example, one thing that my church does is that we have life groups on Sunday nights and we get together. These are gender-specific groups, so groups of men, groups of women, and uh, these are multi-generational groups. In my group, there are I think there are three of us that are in our 50s, and then there are three younger women that are in their 20s, 30s, or 40s. I don't want to be too specific there in case I get that wrong. Um, and so that's one way that the, the church has helped to foster those relationships between older women and younger women by sticking us all in this group together. And it's really, really wonderful. Another example of something the church could try, I, I talked to a lady one time who said, um, that she would host a birthday fellowship every month for all the people in the church, like all the people in the church who had a birthday in June or something like that. And so that's a way to get a multi-generational group together to get to know each other and to have some fun together and some fellowship. And then there was another church I was in years ago where they had... they had a sort of a supper club type of thing. And they would just, everybody who wanted to participate, every couple or every single person who wanted to participate, they basically just threw everybody's name in a hat and drew out like three couples. And for the next ever how many months, those couples would meet once a week, twice a month, once a month, whatever, for dinner together. And so that was all randomized. And so different couples of different ages were getting together and developing friendships and getting to know each other. So those are just some kind of practical ideas of how the church can stick people together multi-generationally and help them to get to know each other, because that way it's easier than just like walking up to somebody and asking them for a date that you don't even know, you know? (laughs) So, so that's one way to, to do that. And then um, if you want, if a church wants to directly Uh, foster one-on-one relationships between older women and younger women. A a way to do that is just to say, hey, we've had a lot of younger women who say that they want older women to disciple them. And we've had a lot of older women who say that they want to disciple younger women. 
everybody who's interested in this show up at five o'clock. We're going to take the young, the names of the younger women and put them in a hat. We're going to take the names of the older women and put them in a hat. And we're just going to draw out names <laughs> and match you up. So you can do things like that. So um, I think it's really helpful if the church gets behind this and kind of, kind of helps uh, the younger women and the older women to get together. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really, really <clears throat> good. And, and, and whether it's a guy or, or a lady, it, it, it all requires intentionality. It all requires, right. like you're saying, getting into people's lives so that, you know, I can minister to you, you can minister to me and we can actually talk to one another uh, without that, you know, weirdness or awkwardness. And, you know, that's, there's Christian love there. So. Right. That's exactly. Really that's really good. Well, what can the church do to support and encourage women in our local churches? Oh, there's so much. This might be where you might need to to rein me in a little bit and and, and, and cut me off and help me to are you saying you're a little little passionate on this one? I'm a little passionate about the church supporting and encouraging women, but also men and and everything I'm about to say is applicable to men, too, I think. But um, the, the very first thing, pastors please preach and teach sound doctrine in the church. Make sure sound doctrine is being taught in your Sunday school classes, your Bible study classes. Make sure it's coming from you from the pulpit. That is the number one thing that you can do for anyone in your church is to preach and teach sound doctrine. Mm. Um, Another thing that, that can help is if pastors and music pastors and elders, deacons, whatever, when someone comes to you with a concern about a false teacher whose materials the church is using, or maybe your church is using music from heretical sources like Bethel or Elevation or Hillsong, don't blow these people off because they have legitimate, most of the time, they have legitimate concerns. Um, listen to the person, take it seriously, check it out, and you know, if nothing else, consider erring on the side of not being a stumbling block and stop using those materials or that music or, or whatever it is. At the very least, you are caring for that, that one sheep. And there are plenty of other doctrinally sound books and music and things like this that you can use instead. So that would be very helpful too. And like I say, for men and for women, but I hear a lot from women that, you know, they'll say, well, the women's ministry is doing a Beth Moore Bible study. And I went to my women's director and she blew me off. So I went to the pastor and talked about it and he blew me off too. And I just don't know what to do. So I hear that kind of thing a lot from women. So that would be really helpful is to take those complaints seriously and, um, you know, even if maybe you don't see eye to eye with with the complaint, maybe consider just out of love for that person doing a different Bible study or just studying straight from the word. And that's another thing. Train teachers for your Bible study classes, your Sunday school classes, whatever, to teach straight from the word, not from what I call canned studies, you know, workbooks and DVDs and stuff like that. Um there are there are so many women and so many women's ministries that you know they'll they'll get together and they'll say okay what bible study should we do next month or whatever and you know somebody'll say this Beth Moore study somebody'll say that Joyce Meyer study somebody'll say you know this Priscilla Schreier study or whatever and some poor soul pipes up and says 
can't we just study Ephesians? And everybody looks at her like she's got three heads, you know, because they've never heard of such a thing before is just studying straight from the word. And so there is a, there's really a lack in the church of teachers who are actually trained to, to teach straight from the word. And by the same token, there are so many women, I would say the vast majority of women in evangelical churches who have no idea how to just pick up the word and study it in a systematic way. So train your teachers to teach straight from the word, train your, uh, your flock, your, your women, your men, everybody in your church, how to study straight from the word. Um, another thing that pastors and churches can do to, to help women and to support and encourage them is to, like we were talking about before, when you asked me about the various roles of women in the church, don't just tell them what they can't do. I mean, most women in fairly doctrinally sound churches they know they're not supposed to be pastors they're, and they're not trying to be. They know they're not supposed to be preaching the Sunday sermon and they're not trying to do that. They know they're not supposed to be exercising unbiblical authority over men. And in general, they're not trying to do that. So they know that stuff, but a lot of them don't know what they can do. You know, they'll, they'll write to me and say, is it okay if I do this? I don't know. Would that be exercising authority over a man? Would that be teaching? You know, so train them to understand uh, what they can do, and then invite them, maybe a, a woman who's particularly suited for a particular place of service, invite her into that position and encourage her in that. And then just one more thing that I would suggest, try not to have a celebrity culture at your church. And what I mean by that is, and we see this in most churches, doctrinally sound or not, the teachers and the singers kind of have those spotlight positions and they they get all the attention, they get all, you know, their their names are known in the church and things like that. And it's, you know, I know most churches aren't consciously trying to do that. I'm not saying that, but it just kind of happens by default a lot of times. So one thing that you can do is to value and show appreciation for women who are working in the nursery women who are mopping the floors, women who are visiting the nursing homes and things like that, and the men as well. And just, just help them to remember that they are a valuable part of the body. Like it, it talks about, you know, all the parts of the body are valuable. And we need to remember that, that not just the people who have the spotlight positions are valuable, but everyone is doing valuable service to the kingdom when they are serving the church. So those are some things that I would suggest. That's, uh, that's, that's all, <clears throat> that's all really good. I mean, any, any pastor that I think is worth his salt is going to do those things to, to care and to love the people. Um, and if it's not happening uh, and you're listening to that in your church, you should do something about it. And the pastor should be, if you're a pastor and we have lots of them that listen to this podcast, particular podcast, I would just say, listen to the women in your church. You know, it's yeah. like you listen to your wife, you the, treat them that way, you know. Uh, and if you're not, please just leave. Like, go, right. go find a different job, bro. You know, yeah, um, seriously, because we don't need no knuckleheads, you know. That's true. Uh, you, know, you know, and one one way that's, I don't mean to interrupt you, but one, uh, one way that I just thought of that uh, I had not thought of earlier is uh, a way that you can listen to women and to the men of your church. Uh, I suggested this the other day on social media, I think. 
was is to have a Q&A session with them every every once in a while. I do this at my conferences. You know, I'll do a, a whole session of just taking questions from the audience and addressing those things. That can be really helpful to pastors because one of the ways that it's helpful to me is that I learn what's going on in in this particular church that I'm speaking at. I learn who they're listening to. I learn what they think, you know, maybe some of the common misconceptions that they hold about scripture or scriptural principles that they're running their lives by and things like that. And so that's a really good way for a pastor to learn where his congregation is at by taking questions from them, you know, in a, in a Q&A session, maybe every now and then, maybe on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night or something like that. So that would be a good good thing to do too. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one reason why I do take questions and answer them. I used to write, actually, I'm, I'm, I guess I still am a featured writer at Christianity.com, although I don't write for them. Um, and I would take questions and answer them for exactly the same reason. That's why we have another podcast where I take questions and answer them. Because it, it is an issue where where people, they don't they don't feel like, okay, well, I've been in the church, like I've led many Bible studies, so I know this to be true. Uh, and so do you. Well, if I ask that question, uh, you know, I'm the dumbest person in the church. Uh, no, what's let, let me let me say something. The, the only thing that's dumb is you not asking. <clears throat> that's you know? true. And, and I say that I say that out of a heart of love. I really do. Right. It's not that you're dumb. I'm not saying that. So don't hear me say that because I didn't say it. I'm saying that it's it's not right for you to, to to withhold to not feel. And even growing up, I know what that's like. Like. It's almost like, well, I've been a Christian this long, so I should know the answer to this, but I don't. So I went in said and asking the question, read the books, you know, and that I knew the answer. And that's okay right. too. Like, but but don't be afraid in in pride to ask the question that you have. Like, and we should right. if, we, if you lead a small group or or something like that, don't be afraid to you know after you're done with your materials and even even during the class to stop and just take questions. If people have it, don't don't be afraid to don't rush through your material just to get through it. Um, I had a pastor who, who used to tell me that, Dave, don't feel like you have to get through that. All those notes that you have just right. just, you know, that's OK. If you if you don't go back, you can go back to it, uh, you know, next time or whatever. And, and oftentimes, even afterwards, what I would do is I would just take questions of people. And that would be where that would be where. Oh well, you're teaching this. You you end up, and they ended up realizing you're actually teaching Reformed theology. And I'm like, yes, actually, I am. Thank you, thank you for <laughs> thank you for recognizing that. You know, and 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 then you can start having real conversations. Um, you know, and and those are these are the kind of things. This is where, as we both know, that's where real ministry happens. And that's right. Um, you know, people have people, excuse me, have questions, and you know, they're either going to go come to us, and we and we have. We have we have good answers. We have 2021 years of answers, um, right. you know, and we have the Bible, you know. The, so, you know, we just have to we just have to encourage people. I think that I think I would suggest to pastors encourage that from the pulpit, you know, that you're going to have a set aside time, like you said, to ask questions and then you're going to get. Oh, my goodness. You're going to get every question under the sun about how do I deal with this and how do I deal with that? Right. And you're going to have to help people learn to navigate and think in a biblical way. Um, and, and that that's going to be, that's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. Don't get me wrong because you're going to get every question under the sun. 
uh, and you're going to have to navigate that on the fly. But don't even feel like you have to answer, give it like a super, I think we, especially guys, we think we have to give like a super awesome answer. If the, mm-hmm. Sometimes there's not a super awesome answer to give. There's just the answer. Right. And and don't, you know, fluff it up and make it all all what it's not. Just say the answer. And if they have a follow-up point, great. If they don't, I got it. Yay. You know? <laughs> uh, that's great too. So Right. And don't be afraid to say, I don't know, you know, because there, there are some things that we don't know. <laughs> I got a question recently at a conference, you know, it was something like, um, if Adam hadn't also eaten the fruit and sinned, you know, what would, you know, if he hadn't sinned, what would have happened? Would God have just scrapped everything and started over again? Or would Adam have he had cre- created another wife for Adam or whatever? And I was like, I don't know. You'll have to ask the Lord when you get to heaven. I, the Bible doesn't tell us. And I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> In fact, that's the most mature thing that we can do to people for people to really help them and say, you know what? I don't know. And like you said, the Bible doesn't address that and, and be okay to say that. Like right. it's okay to, it's okay to say, no, that question, we don't know the answer to because the Bible doesn't give it that in and of itself is an answer. That's true. Because <laughs> they're going to go somewhere else on the internet, right? To look for somebody that's speculated. So you saying that the Bible doesn't say that, or maybe that's you could true. ask, maybe you could ask, how did you come to ask that question? Yeah. You know, which, <laughs> well, which, sometimes you might not want to know, but. <laughs> I mean, that's true too, but you know, that, that that's where, you know, you that's get true. into, that's where you get into, to really helping people. So I that's right. That yeah. Anyway, we could talk about that probably a long time. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Fun times, fun conversation. Oh well, yes. Where, where, where can people go to find out more about you on social media or otherwise? Well, they can. I'm just going to give you the real simple answer. They can go to my website, michellelesley.com, and I've got a, a link to where you can go to find my podcast, A Word Fitly Spoken. I've got links to all of my social media platforms. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, MeWe, Parlor. Gab, Pinterest, and YouTube. <laughs> and so it would be way too long to say all of those links here. But if, you, if you'll go to my blog, michellelesley.com, and um, look in the blue menu bar at the top of the page, you can click on the podcast um, tab, or you can click on the contact and social media tab, and you can find all of those links. And, and I've got some really great resources there for, for people as well on false teachers. I've got all of my Bible studies that I've written at the Bible studies tab. And I've also got a really great church finder resource. If you're looking for a good doctrinally sound church, lots of great church search engines, uh, what to look for in a good church and, and things of that nature. So I really encourage anybody who needs resources on things like that to go just go have at it, <laughs> sit down and that's, start falling down the rabbit hole. <laughs> sound, that sounds great. That's a wonderful thing that you've done. Thank you. Well, you know, there's a lot that we could really talk about about this subject. And really, as I always say, we only scratch the surface if people can believe it because I say it all the time. I'm like, but I'm serious. Like we always scratch the surface. That's like, there's right. so much to say. Just, just give us a few takeaways, if you would, please. Well, I would just say there's no magic formula to any of this stuff. Just get up every day and do what the word says. Be a good student of the word. Study the word every single day. Be constant in prayer. Be discerning. 
walk in obedience to scripture every moment of the day. When you sin, repent and be forgiven and thank God for his mercy and his grace and the fact that he has washed you clean and forgiven you. And be a faithful, invested member of a doctrinally sound local church. A lot of times we think, you know, I've got to do this special thing or that special thing, or I've got to read a book on this, or I've got to go to this conference or whatever, but we don't. God gave us a book and he expects us to study that book and read that book and walk in the ways of that book and obey that book. And so that's really all that we have to do. It really, it's not, may not be easy at times, but it's very simple. Pick up the word, live in the word. Mm. Well said, Michelle. Well, I really have enjoyed this conversation, guys. I encourage you to go follow Michelle and check out her blog and all that she's doing, her podcast. And thank you so much for your time today, Michelle. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it myself. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.